0: Hello and welcome to the bearded tits podcast. I'm your host Jack Perks and today I'm going to be talking to Alan McFadden of Scottish Photography Hides. But first here's the news. So 2020 has been a bumper year for elvers, their young European eels on the river 7, with millions making their way up. It's the most in living memory, which is so important as these are critically endangered species, the same as a tiger or a panda, but they could live in your local river or pond. Now there's a few reasons as to why we think eels are critically endangered. There's a shift in the Gulf Stream. There's masses of trafficking, eels are one of the highest value animals on the black market being shipped out to Asia. There's also global warming, barriers are a major issue, invasive species, predation, so so many things are affecting eels in a massive, massive way. So why this year? Why so many elvers this year? Well they do go through cycles, so there are some years there's going to be more and there are some years there's going to be less. It could also be a sign that the hard work of groups like the sustainable eel group are working, where they translocate eels that would otherwise just perish uh, below these barriers into wetlands and large uh, water bodies where they can grow and get bigger now I was quite lucky that I went to go see them this year when I was filming for a tv series and it's the first time I've been out in two months so absolutely fantastic to be out there and it was amazing there weren't the numbers that had been seen a few weeks beforehand but we did still see thousands and thousands of elvers running up the edge and we were waiting around in in the pitch black waiting for them to turn up head torches on the water and then you just see a little ghostly squiggle go across the surface and then as it got darker the 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 kind of top of the water was full of elvers, so incredible to see that. Unfortunately, we did witness some poaching as well. There were people out there uh, catching the eels. Uh, I mean, it's difficult, what do you do in that sort of situation? But they were catching them to, to sell on it illegally as well. These elvers follow the high tide and this was one of the highest tides of the year. So there was a lot of elvers running up. So absolutely incredible to see that. One of the interesting side effects is that the current pandemic may actually decrease the demand in elvers this year because they can't get shipped out. So as well as there being lots of elvers this year anyway, the actual trafficking of elvers might be down because there's no way to ship them. So we could see in a few years another bumper crop of elvers. On to my guest today, it's Alan McFadden, a Scottish wildlife photographer, having built several photography hides and making a successful business out of it is probably one of the busiest hides in the UK. His work is featured in many publications and his hides have been used for various natural history programmes. This is the interview. So Alan, thanks for joining me. Welcome. And uh, we were just saying before we started, but obviously we're in strange times at the moment, but in a way it's kind of worked out nicely for you.
1: Yes, it's given me a rare thing, which is free time. So I'm getting to do some of my own photography instead of setting it up for others to get the good shots. So <laughs> I'm rather enjoying this lockdown, so to speak.
0: But obviously it's, it, it must have impacted your business uh, to a degree because you're, you're one of the busiest hides, if not the busiest hide in the country. So it's obviously a, a bit of a pain in the ass for that.
1: Yeah, well, this is, this is my peak time. This is a, late April, May, early June is when I make my money. So it's been a, a devastating hit financially, but there's more to life than money I've realised in this last few weeks. And yeah. We're getting some free time, well-being, photographing, seeing the animals close up like I don't normally do. I just usually feed them and I'm away, leaving others to do the work and the photographs. So I'm, I'm really enjoying it, to be honest.
0: Yeah, no, and I definitely agree with you. Like, it's all very well people moaning about being indoors, but there's a lot worse that could be happening. So, you know, just count your blessings Absolutely. with it. Um, so, so what made you want to start all of these hides? Where did it all begin?
1: Well, my, my interest in nature began when I was five years old. My, my grandfather used to take me out in the bicycles looking for nests and just learning everything about nature. Because where I come from, it's a quiet area, not much to do for kids. So I think he took me on board to give me an interest. So this continued for many years. Then I started fishing. Um, I became quite a, a very addictive person, me if I get my teeth into something, I just don't stop and I, I give it my all. So anyway, to cut a long story short, I went to Spain catfishing. So, so got a really bad back injury when I was in Spain. They're big um,
0: fist catfish, aren't they?
1: Oh, it was, <laughs> in, it was intense. so just one after the other, and then I had a dodgy back before I went, but that just finished it and my, I got sciatica and... So that was that, because I carry a lot of equipment for my fishing. Um, It was my friend, Keith Kirk, who said, why don't you buy a camera? So that was that. That was in 2009. So I bought a camera, cut my teeth with kingfishers, then started building little hide for myself. It was just two foot with two foot, could just squeeze in. Then it became six foot, then it became ten foot. Then people started to see my photos and asked to come. So I used to charge £20 just to pay for the food. Yeah. And it just snowballed and snowballed. And <laughs> more people were coming. So it just, just evolved from that, really. Then new subjects came into play. And yeah, it just kept going and going. And it's
0: still going. Yeah, that's what you want. So you've got all these different subjects. Have you got a favourite one? Is there one that stands above the rest for you?
1: It's, it'll probably always be the Kingfisher because it's just... It's where it all started for me, in my first wow moment in my burden when I was a kid. And every, it's one of these birds, every time it lands on the perch, you're like, wow. Whereas my sparrow hops and that, I still, I still enjoy it, but it's not that, Wow, factor, if you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, there's some, I mean, I, I get to, I spend a lot of time by a river, as you know, and I still never fail to smile when I see one go by, yeah. even if it's just a quick glimpse, there's something about the, I guess it's the colours, I don't know, but they are just incredible birds. I think,
1: I think it is the colours, it's the fragileness of the species as well, everything's against kingfishers, and I, I like to do as much as I can to put it back in their favour.
0: Yeah, I think people don't realise the hardships that they, they get. I think the survival, I don't know the exact figure, but it's quite a low survival rate, isn't it, for a lot of them?
1: The, the, the oldest one ever recorded is seven and a half years, but um, 50% die in the first two weeks of fledging. Is that um, right? 25% get to the next breeding year, so very, very low.
0: Yeah, and because uh, I guess southern Scotland is a kind of northern... They're not. I think they're pushing up a little bit, but because uh, you're... Up
1: Edinburgh now, and Melbourne yeah. one and a half Aberdeen, but... Their the breeding territory really is the line where I am, so they're yeah. right on the edge
0: here. Hard chips for them, definitely. Yeah. Um so you've got you've got all kinds of amazing creatures in hides, like you've got your kingfishes, your cuckoo, your pine martin. Is there a species that you'd like to set up a hide for that you currently don't have a hide for?
1: I'm currently working on that now and that is the, the goshawk.
0: Oh, okay.
1: It's, it's probably been my, my toughest ever challenge. I've got one feeding last winter but for reasons I had to move on to the site and I'm trying again quite close to get it again but it's one of the toughest challenges you could possibly get. Getting them feeding is a big challenge and then you've got to be in the hide to take a picture of it without it getting it used to cameras it could take five ten years it might never happen but I'll try.
0: Because I guess people don't realise the amount of work that you put into this, because obviously you've got to, I don't know if train's the right word, but you've got to habituate these animals to get them yeah. used to turning up to them, haven't you?
1: Everything's in stages. You must find an area where the bird is. You must get them to come to the food, which is difficult for some species. Then you've got to build the hide. You've got to get permission from the landowners before that. Then you've got to you have got to get in every day to make your business work, because People come, don't get a photo. Word spreads quickly that that's not a good hide. That's rubbish. That hide. <laughs> I did it with a buzzard once. I opened it too early, and it's it never recovered. Just simply because. But it's every day. There's no I'll go tomorrow. I go every day to all my hides.
0: Yeah, so, there's a lot lot of work in there. It's funny you say that about the buzzard because I remember visiting your sparrowhawk hide, and uh, you mentioned oh the buzzard will probably come down in Nick the food and it did more or less straight away so you had quite yeah. a good buzzard there
1: yeah still wear that one it's oh, still causing, it? <laughs> causing me good problems i should say
0: <laughs> yeah well there's such a difficult species to photograph i mean you know, as soon as i if i see one on a fence post i'll park my car and just poke the camera oh. doesn't want to yeah. know but uh and
1: you're the, common bird are the, the most wary of the lot yeah
0: yeah but uh, your buzzard was great he's pretty much sat there smiled and <laughs> and got, got a couple of shots so that was that was fantastic um yeah. These, these hides do uh, do attract some, some criticism, and you'll get people that find it repetitive. But is it a case of, of just being inventive or innovative when you're taking the shots in these hides, or
1: like yeah, what, what? It's difficult to keep thinking a new subject, a new new ideas for the same subject. I'm in bed at nights thinking of what can I do to try get flight shots different perches, different settings. So I'm always constantly working at my heights so that there's new perches, new backdrops and things like that. But it is, some do get difficult. For for instance, I was photographing Stone chart today, 10 minutes and I got everything I needed. You know what I mean? I've got flight shots, I've got it in the perch. So these kind of subjects are tricky to think of new things, new ideas.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean... I- It's easy because I guess you see uh, lots of photographers taking the the same subject sometimes on the same stick But for them, they might not know that and they they love getting these kind of shots And I've noticed some photographers have a real axe to grind uh, With these hides, but they offer opportunities that wouldn't be possible for some so the way I look at it For example, you might get amateurs who don't have a lot of time. Maybe they've got busy jobs They can't spend hours and hours that they'd like to and maybe Mm -hmm. they have a weekend free and you're offering them something that yeah. ordinarily they wouldn't be able to get, or
1: exactly like um, a doctor or something working hundred hours a week, he's no time to go exploring. I've got um, disabled people had a Down syndrome kid the other week. There, his face when the kingfisher came, it just makes it all worth it. And these opportunities they just don't get; they would never get a public hide where you maybe get ducks and things like that. But to get these iconic key species, they're not easy to get. No, the work that's involved, and people, and it's a fast life we live in nowadays. It's a fast world, and people simply haven't got the time or the 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 knowledge. Some people just because it's it's tricky. Some of them to get them in. Yeah. Food out, and they come.
0: Yeah, I know, and and I'm I'm glad you mentioned disabled uh, photographers because that was another thing I was was going to say. There'll be some people that just accessibility to some remote places. It's not going to be. It's going to be a lot more difficult or not possible. And again, yeah. you're offering something that um, someone's having this amazing opportunity to, to see the animal and have a good chance of seeing this animal.
1: Yeah, yeah. When you Kingfisher hide are built specifically for disabled people, you park right at the door, and it's two steps, and you're in. So uh, it's ideal.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I found because uh, originally, I mean, like for many years, I wouldn't say I was against those these sort of the pay per view hides. I'm trying to think of the right word to do, it, but yeah, it's sort of pay per view. Yeah. Um, but um, it's just something like, oh, it's not really my cup of tea. But then before, just before I came up to yours, I had a commission from the Woodland Trust. And they said that they gave me a list of animals and they wanted a sparrowhawk. And I get, I get the odd one in my garden. I get them in my local woods. But the amount of time it would have taken me to go out and find them and habituate them, they're not, they haven't got the budget to pay for that sort of thing. And I thought, no. look, don't piss about. I can go up to Athens. <laughs> I can get this done in a morning, which I did do. Uh, They were really happy. And I told them, I was up front, I said, Look, this is going to be in a hide just to let you know they were fine with that. And I just thought, Well, you know what? It makes a lot of sense. You know, I'm being up front with them. I'm telling them it's done in this hide. They're happy with the images. Everyone's a winner.
1: Yeah. And different levels of photography you get. You get some people just happy to get it on the perch. Some people take it a stick, try and get it coming in with their wings open. And you've got to be on the ball. It's easy enough to get a perch shot, but to get something different, you've got to be on the ball. I'll also allow, like on other hide operators, I'll allow people to bring their own perches if they want something different, and they can take it away, so they've got something rather unique perch-wise. Yeah. So, but there's yes.
0: And everyone, everyone has their own outlets as well, I suppose. So you know, maybe if they're part of a different camera club or they've got different um, clients, even though those images might be out there with other people, doesn't necessarily mean the market's too oversaturated. You're, everyone's going to have their own use for that picture, whether it's just yeah. going on their Facebook page or whether it's going out to a magazine or whatever. So yeah,
1: yeah.
0: I've definitely softened to it. Um, right. I'm, sorry, the to on. It.
1: The, the way I see it is a puffin with a, mout, a beak of sand, sand deals, that's, there's much more photos of that taken every year than there is of a male sparrowhawk or a peps. Do you I mean? In short-year devils, There's everybody loves these things and they're happy doing that fair play to them so yeah, 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 so yeah. Much.
0: definitely and <laughs> yeah. go on alan sorry
1: no sorry that's it everybody each to their own i was going to say everybody's well that that's it
0: i mean it's a hard one isn't it because i think everyone gets some some flack and the way i see it there are no two photographers who who will agree on everything but i think sorry. you you can't look at life as black and white and you know just because you don't agree with something doesn't mean it's necessarily wrong that's that's you that's that's fine uh-huh. and baiting does get a lot of that and obviously yeah. you've mentioned that with your hides uh you have to bait uh with the sparrowhawks you put dead dead mice out and with with the yep. other things you you know you put bait out there so you know what what would you say to the, the people who criticize you for baiting for your hides
1: uk were the biggest we spend 200 million pound a year feeding our their- Birds in our garden, huge benefit to the birds. Goldfinches were really doing badly till a few years ago. Great spotted woodpeckers, so there's so much benefit. Benefit supplemented supplementary feeding, it's no different in my book. That sparrowhawk's nine years old now. Uh, Chris Parkham endorses what I do. He says, if you're using recycled baits, like I, I put appeals on Facebook for cat owners. If your cat catches a bird and kills it, give it to me. I'll, don't throw it in the bin. That bird gets eaten by the sparrow, it saves it killing a bird that day. So, I mean, that sparrow, it's, it's just done it so much good, and it's, it's a perfect condition. But other birds as well, it's, it's all, nature's getting hit hard by humans, in society nowadays, and every angle. And if we can give something back, like feeding them, to help them, I don't see why it's a problem. Maybe the fish could be a problem in some eyes. Um, everybody's got an ethical line. Yeah. Some, some don't like feeding food, uh, seeds, some don't like mealworms, some don't like fish, some don't do rabbits or mammals, which I'd never do. My line's below that. But in Spain, we put live rabbits out, live pigeons, and they don't, but that's not for me. Fish is just on my line, and um, I was helping kingfishers. I can live with that.
0: Yeah, I think that, it's funny that you say that, but there is definitely a level, isn't there? You'll get some people who are just like outright, no, I won't bait at all. And then yeah. you'll get some, okay, they'll use uh, like seed and whatever, like you mentioned, then maybe say something dead like roadkill or whatever. And then you've got uh, live baits, like insects. Yeah. And then so there's so many different levels. And as you say, you're, you're never going to find people who agree. Um, We've, agree all all of it.
1: We've all got a line. So you have to respect each other's line where... But the thing with kingfishers, I'll say, Jack. Before I started the hides 10 years ago, I was monitoring kingfishers every year for 30 years. And in my stretch, they were on a flood uh, tidal estuary, and they raised 19 young in about 25 years because it was getting flooded. Since I've started doing what I do, for example, last year, the year before last, 19 young were raised in one season. Because I build artificial nests high above the water mark, I'm supplementing food. The young come out the nest. They miss. They miss the, the refraction in the water. You know the angle. Yeah. This is why they die because they, they go for the fish and there's a slight bend because of the light entering the water, whatever. And then, but with my setup, they can dive, miss, dive, miss. That. And it, eventually, they get and they learn. So and, and now in this area. I know about 30 pair of kingfishers, whereas 30 years ago, I only knew one pair or two pair. So my work's spreading them out, and if it sacrifices a few fish, uh, it's okay with me. And I buy the fish in as well. I don't catch them in the wild. Right, so yes. For the natural stocks, I'm not getting touched. It's rainbow trout, which are getting bred for fish farms, so I buy the fry there, so...
0: Yeah, 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 no, I see, I see what you mean. Um, and recently you've joined, because originally you were sort of uh, on, on your own, but you've joined up with someone else now, is it uh, WPE, is that right?
1: Well, I've just we're just in the process of going back. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, really? I lost, yeah, I, lost, I felt I lost my identity a bit. Right, yeah, okay. And uh, Scott's Scott saying other things, now he's no got the time for it, I don't think. And okay. In the, in the, so we just decided to uh, mutually to go back to my Scottish photography. Oh, okay,
0: hands. so you parted on good terms then? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, okay, oh, good, no, good, good. good. Yeah.
1: Never Another bad word about
0: Scott, he's a good guy. Yeah, oh, nice one. Okay, so it's going back to Scottish... was well, Scottish, Photography,
1: Scottish, photography yeah. hides.
0: Yeah. yeah, okay. Oh, brilliant. Uh, yeah. Well, it's... And what have you got coming up? Have you? So you're, you're working on some of the hides, did you say?
1: Yeah, I've got a new hide. Um, absolutely dream location. It's my, what I've always wanted, but it's been seven months now. I've got otters coming in already, Tony owl, sparrowhawk, badgers coming to the reflection pool. I've got mink, which I'm not too happy about. (laughs) Um,
0: Yeah, you don't want those.
1: (laughs) No, no, we deal with them. Um, And not just, uh, I heard a little owl there the other day, which which is very rare for my area. So, and then I'm maybe even building a pond in the field. The farmer's really, so it's a field he doesn't use, so. Maybe we for herons and daughters will go in the pond. And just habitat, build some new habitats. Because I give plenty back. People don't see the... I think I'm just trying to make money, money. I've just built 250 nest boxes this week by <laughs> five flycats, red starts. and So I don't get anything back from that. I just, I just like helping nature in any way I can.
0: Because what a lot of people probably won't realise is it's not your full-time job either, is it?
1: No, no. I've got. I supervisor in a factory. I start at, well, up at 4 a.m. and I finish about lunchtime every day. Straight home, straight out. So, um, but it's getting too much for me now. That, right? <laughs> <laughs> lockdowns came like I say, a good, a good time just for a recharge of the batteries.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, look, Alan, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you.
1: All my pleasure, Jack. Thanks a million.
0: No worries. Take care, buddy.
1: And stay safe, everybody. Thank you. So that was
0: Alan McFadden. That was really interesting to get an insight into his hides. So I thought for nature reserve of the week, I'm going to cover Alan's hides. Obviously not a nature reserve in the strictest sense, but he does work to improve wildlife in the area and just talk a little bit about them. So most of Alan's hides are in or near Kukubri. I think I've said that right. Uh, which is in Dumfries and Galloway. Uh, probably the most visited hides in Britain. And if you go to any camera club, Someone normally sneaks in one of Alan's kingfishers or, or sparrowhawks. They've definitely got a distinct style, and I think any professional wildlife photographer can sniff out a hide photo from a mile away. Again, I'm not saying that's a negative thing. I'm just saying they have a, a very distinct style. Now, Alan has got hides for badgers, cuckoos, dippers, kingfisher, a range of species. However, I'm only going to focus on a few of them, uh, the ones that I've been to, which are the Sparrowhawk hide, the Water Rail hide, and the Pine Martin. So as a brief overall for all of the hides, all of them are a short walk from a parking area. So as we mentioned in, in the podcast, if you can't walk very far, these are ideal. You haven't got to walk far for that. The hides themselves are pretty basic. They're to the point. You just turn up, you sit in these kind of wooden sheds, you take your pictures. So there's no there's no loo nearby uh, or heating or anything like that. So make sure you kind of got all your creature comforts in terms of warm clothes Uh, and and food and all that sort of stuff but you're there to take pictures at the end of the day so you know you you kind of do what you expect. For the sparrowhawk hide uh, he puts out dead mice uh, to attract the male in but you also have a chance of things like buzzard uh, occasionally kestrel maybe even a red kite so you've got various uh, birds of prey and it's probably the best chance you've got of of getting a male and a female sparrowhawk. I can't think of many places where you've got an Nothing's ever guaranteed in wildlife photography, but you've got a pretty decent chance. The first time I turned up to his Sparrowhawk Hide, I spent a morning in there uh, on my way up to Shetland. And this is a brilliant thing with Alan's Hides because they're in southern Scotland. If you're making your way up to the Cairngorms or somewhere else, it's a great spot to kind of just stay for a night, maybe do a hide or two, and then carry on your way and break up your journey. Um, and that's what I did. I, on my way to Shetland, I stopped at Alan's Hides. So I only spent a morning there, didn't get the Sparrowhawk that time but then i went back for my, my woodland trust commission and then i did get the sparrow got it several times so that, that was brilliant as well as other birds of prey you get red squirrels so i mean it's worth going just for the red squirrels they turn up in the morning they jump around you know if you want to get the classic jumping red squirrel shot this is a really good place to get that and you can get some nice portraits the squirrels are um, not necessarily tame but you know you can move around the hide they're not they're not too bothered and just a plethora of birds as well with the feeders out there Uh, jays, greatest spotted woodpecker, siskin, I got a brambling when I was there, first time I've ever seen a brambling, Coal tits, great tits, you name it. So even if the sparrowhawk doesn't turn up there's so much well to, to photograph there. The water rail hide is slightly different because that's pretty much all you're gonna get there, it's just a water rail and hide is probably a bit generous because what it is is a big mat that you lay down on a kind of a cushion um, so, again, if you've got mobility issues, this might be a difficult um, kind of setup. But it's a brilliant for the low angle that you get. You're in a small stream at low tide, and he baited it up with little bits of scallop and stuff like that. And these water rails came in. I actually saw two water rails when I was there. Uh, amazing. Because, you know, I've seen water rails, but getting them in a clear backdrop, low down, I don't know where else you could get that. You know, it's an amazing experience. And then, finally, his uh, pine martin Hyde. I mean I've wanted to see a pine Martin in a photographical photographical is that a word? Yes it is, photographical. Uh, in a photographical uh, position uh, for ages, but I've just not been able to do it. And Alan had a mum and two cubs when I went there. Is it cubs or kits? It might be kits, you know. Comment comment on this podcast, what's a pine Martin's baby called? I don't know. I think it's a kit actually. A young Pine Martin. And he's got this dry stone wall with some floodlights, so there's no flash involved, it's just constant light, and he puts you know bits of uh, uh, peanut butter or eggs or whatever, and then they, they come in, they feed, absolutely incredible. I mean, the size of them, to see a, a living, wild pine martin was incredible. So check out his hides, Scottish photography hides, um, well worth a look, particularly if you're going up that way anyway. That brings me to the end of today's podcast. This has been the Bearded Tits Podcast. I've been your host, Chat Perks. And do comment, let me know. Would you like me to interview someone? Would you like me to cover a subject? Have you got any questions you want me to answer at the end? Get in touch. Until next time, cheers.